Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. Control that volume and yank it around so much. It has a very hair trigger. This is Letitia Wong. Welcome to True Life Fridays Radio. It is May 9, 2014. I want to thank everybody for joining us on the air today. I am on the air with two fabulous, fabulous co hosts. Yay! Welcome. <laughs> Hello. <What's up? laughs> Welcome, Thomas. Welcome, Melissa. Hello, everyone. Hey, I'm so glad you're on the air with us. I am too. I know God is good. <laughs> it was uh, it was tricky there for a while because we were all experiencing technical difficulties, as has been the case for most broadcasts, I would say. <laughs> but God is good. That's right. God is good, and He's made us made it through for us uh, up to this point. And I thank God for the both of you. To be on air with all of us, the whole True Life Fridays radio crowd today. So, how you doing, Thomas? I'm good. I called the Pizza Hut, not Pizza Hut, but Domino's to get me some food, and I think they may have been robbed because they've not been answering their phone for the last two and a half hours. So, Uh-oh. I'm agitated from hunger pains, but other than that, I'm blessed. Well, hopefully it comes... <laughs> Uh, sometime before you uh, shrivel away to nothing. <clears throat> yeah. So, Miss Melissa, how is that beautiful, bouncy, bubbly baby girl of yours with those fat, adorable round teeth? <laughs> she is very, very active. <laughs> very um, but she's active. great. Yeah, she's doing well. So I'm thankful for her, and um, yeah, she's doing really well, growing and doing all the things that she's supposed to be doing. That's cool. Awesome. Well, folks, we have... Oh, sorry. I was just saying, things have been been, uh, interesting this week in my life um, with a lot of uh, things that I know we'll hit on later um, in regards to the news and that, so... I know you've got a lot to share with us, and I'm excited, and I'm ready to go. So, Thomas, if you'll do us the honors, we can get rolling on this show. All righty. Welcome, everybody. Deuteronomy, 
chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Father God, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we're thankful to host another episode of True Life Fridays Radio here on True Life Presents and Blog Talk Radio Network. Lord God, we just pray that what we're going to share today will reach out to the heart of our listeners and compel them to want to do something and not just step back and be apathetic if that's where they're at, Lord. So, Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners, bless our guests, and bless those who might not support our viewpoints to be able to understand where we're coming from and know that we do this because we care and we want to speak the truth to power. We give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Wow. Um, We have so much, so much to talk about today. So let's get going. Uh, Okay. So what has been the major, the major story on our wall? We'll get to the other major story. They're all major stories, but the major stuff that's going on social media this week. Um, I know they're all... Ooh, 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 I'm raising my hand. I want to answer. I want to answer. Okay, okay. You mean a, you mean the fake abortion chick? Um, well, that's part of it. Uh, that, that's that's I would say that that's ranked number two. Oh, would it be HGTV in their shenanigans? Uh, I would put that at number three. Well, we're getting there. Okay, let me okay, let me take so, a stab at it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know you the know. The good news ahead. always comes first. How about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, that's yeah. right. The video recording of Emily Lett's abortion, the abortion uh, counselor, has been really making a lot of headways. Right. Uh, yeah, we will be talking about her, but the one thing that I wanted to make sure everybody uh, got a good cheer on for is the Gosnell film, has made their funding goal. That's right. Two point one million dollars plus. Wow. uh, Early this morning, I went and got my update that I I signed up for their updates, and they were uh, about eight thousand dollars over. And by now, I think they're about ten thousand dollars over. And what they want now is another about another three thousand people to just donate a dollar because mm. they're, they, had a, they had a financial goal, a, a monetary goal, as well as a, a number of supporters goal. They want to drive that number to 30,000 individuals. Mm. So if you have not donated, I will bring my demands. I had a demand out there for $10 because $10 is about the price of a movie ticket. You know, it's cheaper than a duplicate here in St. Louis, let me tell you that. Uh, $10, and that's how much you would pay to go see a film, to donate $10 toward the making of this film. I'm now saying, hey, 
$1 per individual. Let's see them make that 30,000 uh, $30, individual mark. Uh, they would just love to see this groundswell of individuals saying, hey, I want to see this film made because of, of, of all stories that have been in the news in the last couple of years, uh, Kermit Gosnell's story is the one that has been actively, actively shoved in a closet by the mainstream mm-hmm. media. And they're like, enough is enough. We need to make a film that chronicles just what happened and, and how we got into this place in this country of tolerating women dying, women getting injured, babies in freezers, babies in bags, feet and hands in jars, a hor- house of horror, I would say it's a house of cat feces, and a man that has a life, uh, as a, has a huge, long, decades-old history of using women as abortion experiments. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that on this show and how he's gotten away with it for so many years, and now the media doesn't want to talk about it at all. And and I think this is a film that t- needs to be made, and normally people would make it, but, uh, you know, Hollywood, the Hollywood left doesn't want to hear it. So and they, they turn to crowdfunding and crowdsourcing for this video. So mm-hmm. congratulations to Anne yeah. McElhaney and Phelan McAllier for reaching their goal. If I had an applause button, I would hit it right now, but uh, maybe we'll have one next time. <laughs> yeah, we need one of those. <laughs> yes, we do. Yay! All right. Um, but now, yeah, for you, Thomas, you brought up our number two issue for today, and that is the Emily Let's Abortion video. But before I talk about the video, I want to talk about how we ought to look at the video, because I, like a lot of things, I have been strangely silent about these huge things because I've been monitoring the reactions of people and to see what other news comes out uh, before I say something. And uh, thank God he has told me to wait because uh, it gave me some time to reflect on how we should think about the video, how we should think about this whole thing, and and then reflect on the reactions that have come out. So um, before we talk about the video, because I'm going to slide right into it, so I'm getting there. I want everybody to think about this. For 41 years, abortion supporters have struggled to figure out just what is the best way to make abortion palatable to the public. And in 41 years, they have tried every approach imaginable. If you will recall, Roe v. Wade was argued on the false pretense of need. It was decided on a conjured right to privacy. Doe v. Bolton was argued on the false pretense of health, financial health. It was decided, almost without question as to the verdict, on a conjured list of criteria by which abortion would be considered not a crime. And since 1973, the rationalizations have swung like a pendulum back and forth from abortion is a need to abortion is a personal prerogative or right. And what does that mean except a tool tool of convenience? So they've tried to market abortion as a triumph of women's liberation, something we should celebrate 
with smiles, hoopla, and sexually suggestive videos. I, uh, I seem to remember a news story that took place in Spain in 1983. There was a big pro-death rally uh, in Spain, and two young pregnant women were paraded in front of a crowd and then led away for their abortions. And the next day, the jars containing their liberation were held high in front of that, that same conventional crowd, that same convention, and they were held high and on display to cheers and thunderous applause. Kind of gruesome. But after that point, uh, and we certainly had something similar in enthusiasm here in the United States, the pro-abortion crowd had to admit that their legal abortion did not turn out to be the same as freedom and liberty, as they realized that women have regrets. Pro-life advocates accurately pointed out that they made a mockery of the real emotional crises that women go through with unintended pregnancy, because women, first and foremost, do not want to kill their babies. Women do not desire death. I feel perfectly comfortable saying that. Women do not desire death. I, I don't think I'm alone. I think that represents uh, the vast, vast majority, except for those psychotic killers, that women do not desire death for anybody. Well, you know, then they tried to soothe the painful reality and gruesomeness of death, gruesomeness of death by dismemberment, by admitting that a decision to abort is filled with agony and struggle a quote-unquote hard choice that should be, oddly enough, legal, safe, and rare. Rare? Well, if it's legal, how does that make it safe? And if it's safe, why should it be rare? Well, they moved, after that, to trivialize, then, the agony and struggle they admit to, by saying that ultimately the right to bodily autonomy trumps all other considerations. Sound familiar? Nothing else matters. Any suffering, anguish, or difficulty felt by any woman over whether or not she should end the life of her baby in the womb is only secondary. The question over abortion is uh, whether it's principally a moral concern is actively suppressed. And the struggle, struggle is laughed at under their breath. And when that approach seemed too cold, someone makes a video to show her, quote, positive abortion experience. Emily Letts, a 25-year-old abortion counselor, decided to make a video blog about her cool abortion. Only I have to wonder, with all the publicity this has generated, if the whole thing is yet Another sales pitch for abortion. Now, now it's not a hard decision, again. It's smiles and, well, um, listen to her answer a question about trivializing the abortion uh, 
issue altogether. So let me scroll up there and play that for you. Quite a few people didn't find it challenging. They they found it, you know, qu quite the opposite, and they're quite angry about it. Some of them, Emily. We spoke to um, the charity Life, which opposes abortion, and Anne Scanlon speaks to them. And here's what she wants to say to you about your video. This is an essentially an abortion promotional video by an abortion counsellor who tries to trivialise the procedure. Abortion ends the life of an unborn child, and we should never take it lightly. It is irresponsible to try to portray abortion in such a trivial manner. What do you say to that, Emily? I think that abortion is, I think that a woman has her own individual, unique experience with her own body. I think that, like, abortion is, is a personal matter. It is, it is it, it, like, no one can tell me how to feel about my abortion. I felt how I felt. And that was not influenced by anyone else except for how I grew up, how I, you know, went to college, how I went, how I live my day, how, like, I ate a salad for breakfast to how I, you know, like, it's me. Like, this is me. Like, I, I breathe, I sneeze, I fart, I poop. I, I'm a human being, you know, that's. That's all that I am. And so, like, I'm sharing my story. And the thing is, once again, 35% of women in the United States will have an abortion by the time they're 45. Who are you to say you have to feel this way about a very intimate experience? Who are you to say that, like, I, I'm trivializing something? No, no, it's my life. I get to do what I want to do with my life. And I'm having, like, you know, I'm having I to trivialize something the goal, I, want, I guess, I want the audacity to. to say, you know what, like, I want to share this with the rest of the world because I know there are women out there who need to see this. Whether or not you think I'm trivializing it, I'm just sharing my own experience. Before you say another word, I'm going to tell you something. I listened to everything she said and how she said and the way she put that, talking about she eats, breathes, farts, poops, stuff like that, I'm going to tell you, from a professional standpoint of view, she destroyed her credibility in that comment right there. What she came across as an ignorant, backwoods, selfish individual who really who is saying that she purports to speak for all women across this planet. See, it's kind of funny that she said in this piece, don't try to speak for those women who want abortions, but she's trying to speak for the entire female human population. Did you guys catch that too, or was it just you? Sure. Well, it's a it's a it's a form of double speak. She not only if you criticize her, she's saying, well, you can't speak for me because I can only I can speak for me. You can't speak for me. Um, but if you if I want to want to promote abortion, I speak for everybody. Yeah, it's a little bit of a double standard. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, this falls right in line with. Uh, so abortion is a need and a want and a right, but in the end, it's mostly a want. I, I mean, a need. Uh, I mean, a want. And and like, I totally don't tell me that I trivialized abortion because I totally didn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, you know, previously. 
she, you know, this is not a clip that I, I we have on the show, but she has previously admitted she suffers from depression and an unhealthy attitude of jealousy and competition with other women. Hmm, not really fitting the bill of a woman who can make rational and well-informed decision, is it? No. Uh, so, you know, I also heard because it's been several days, the emerging opinion saying that this whole event is a well-timed publicity stunt. After all, there was a contest, this video contest she entered, and she also says she's an actress, and, you know, there's videos floating about her, you know, that, that she was in some film. I don't know what it is. Um, okay, she's an actress. So I'm, I'm not saying that I believe she hoaxed the abortion because that has been suggested. I don't know. But I think it's fair Uh, knowing the circumstances under which we find this video being made, to say there is room for doubt. Um, And then they're like, oh, she must be a really good actress. Maybe she is. I don't know. But But let me say it this way. It can be both a real abortion and a groundbreaking Blair Witch Project, making this a very convenient opportunity. Bing, ding, ding, winning. But whether this is a positive abortion experience is not measured by her flippant comments this close to the event. It is measured in years. Anybody who's gone through an abortion, any of the guests that we have had on our program saying they regret their abortions, it comes, it's measured in years. And we'll be waiting to see how long this poor deluded soul can hold her cognitive dissonance. Right. So, you guys, um, the bottom line is this. If we, the, it's, it's this, you know, what are we going to see, see ourselves? If we, the viewers, are going to at all believe another commercial for abortion and chase their tails with them, or are we going to stop being manipulated by the merchants of death? Well, that's a simple answer. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> we have to, uh, you know, these are the same people that uh, complain and cry about the graphic pictures of babies after they abort. And even some pro-lifers complained about the pictures. So so if you can complain about the um, pictures, what's the problem? What? How can you have any problem with these pictures when you yourself, you're filming abortions? And I actually have seen a real live abortion on on TV back in uh, when the Discovery Channel actually did some, did them. And I'll never forget it. This was back in the mid-90s that I saw that. Right. There, there are videos out there that show live abortions taking place. It's horrific. And and it goes back to whether or not, you know, if this is what it is and this is what they celebrate, why don't why aren't they open about it Mm -hmm. a little bit more? Or why do they try to suppress what it really is? Right. Maybe they are ashamed of what it really is. Okay, so um, so that's kind of my opinion on the whole Emily Let's video. I really, you know, people who have, I find myself here on the third rail 
oftentimes, and here I am again. I'm not on the side of those that are freaking out about this, saying, oh, my gosh, look at you. She's just this attention-getting freak. You know, well, maybe she is. But are you missing the point? Are you missing the point that you're letting uh, a video determine how you feel about abortion? (laughs) Are you just going to look at it and say, okay, you know, they're just swinging that pendulum back and forth. And if one strategy doesn't work, they'll try to sell it to us using another strategy. And back and forth we go. Right. It's it's strategy. It's like you're saying it's a marketing scheme, and it's not – it still is not encouraging uh, women to think about abortion, in my opinion. All it is is it's her, uh, you know, talking about her experience and, you know, yada, 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 and how it didn't affect her and these sort of things. But it's it's not giving a a fully – informed um, position on what abortion even is. It doesn't, she doesn't talk about what's going on during the procedure, what they're doing, and what happens to the, to the child during the procedure. And, you know, she just, you know, it's, it's just a, a cut-and-paste kind of, kind of uh, propaganda tool. So um, it's still not informative to me. <laughs> and no, I don't see no. why, they would, why they would feel that it would be. Um, it's just more appealing to, to emotion and these sort of things. Um, which is what they accuse us of doing when we actually present facts. So right. I just I don't understand how that furthered the cause of their propaganda. But people who don't think critically will latch on to that and and um, and you know accept that. It's quite right. And if you look at the video, I mean, she's got this uh, scrub. She's got a set of scrubs on. She's got this hairnet, all this stuff. Somebody's holding her hand, and she's kind of smiling. And everybody's like, "Ooh, yeah, an abortion." But how is that? You know, like everybody's a professional now. You, Melissa, know much better than that because you're about to bring us a story about one particular abortionist who is none of those things. Oh no. <laughs> um. Yeah, actually, here in Charlotte, um, the abortion uh, clinic that I um, primarily minister outside um, is a clinic called Aid Preferred Women's Health Center, and the main abortionist there um, is quite a, uh, he's quite a character. He is um, a very angry man. Um, it's It's known that he's an angry man. He is very callous about what he does day in and day out. Um, this clinic has been cited for numerous health violations, and it's it's known that it's not a safe place, a clean place, and that he doesn't treat the patients well either. Well, we were surprised, but not well, uh, not not really surprised to hear that on Wednesday night, um, the abortionist there, uh, Dr. Ron Vermani, was arrested by um, Charlotte Mecklenburg Police on. Uh, accounts uh, of rape, uh, an incident that had happened earlier in the day on Wednesday, and he was arrested on Wednesday night. Um, evidently, uh, Dr. Vermani invited a woman to his home to have some sort of business meeting, and he assaulted her sexually, would not let her leave, but um, she she at some point was able to get away, and she reported it. Um, so he spent uh, the night in jail and, of course, posted bail. Of course, he has enough money to do that because he's made millions from slaughtering children. Um, so right now, um, it, it has, surprisingly, the news, ha- they have picked up the story and they have been broadcasting it locally um, regarding this, um, so that's surprising. Um, we 
are praying that this is the end of of, of his career, um, and I would hope that uh, the the owners of a preferred women's health center would concur with that, um, and that this will um, you know ultimately lead to that clinic being shut down. But again, this is um this is a man who also uh, in 2012 was taped um, when questioned about his. Um, his dealings with uh, being involved in abortion. He uh, referred to the, the babies he aborts as ugly black babies, and uh, why don't you all just adopt them all? And he doesn't want to be bothered yeah. with, with paying for them on his tax dollars and, you know, for them to grow up and, you know, do these horrible things and end up in prison, these sort of things. So this is right. the type of, of character that we're dealing with. Here's the clip. Yes, you have the clip. Okay. No, no, I'm not profiting. I, as a taxpayer, do not wish to pay for those babies to be born oh, and brought up and kill we those do. people in Colorado. Go ahead and pay for we that. Do. Let me see you adopt one of those ugly yes. black babies. We do. Yeah, so uh, why don't you adopt those ugly black babies? Because I'm too busy aborting them. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, how does how does the how do the people in Charlotte feel about realizing their abortionist is also a rapist and a racist? Well, interestingly enough, today at the uh, abortion facility where he works, they had a, it, um, increased security there, like we've never seen. <laughs> um, I was not there, but uh, several of uh, you know fellow sidewalk counselors were there, so they were there and they were um, being very distracting and that sort of thing. So. Um, we don't know exactly what this means, um, but we are definitely following it closely um, to see what happens, and, and we'll put the appropriate pr- pressure on the, you know, the, the prosecutors in that to not just let this man slot um, because of his, you know, his um, so-called status in the community, which is, you know, deplorable in my, in my opinion, um, or, or the amount of money that he has. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, it, you know, it's it's just another case of oppression. And if you look at his consistent morality in the situation, um, abortion is, is oppression. It's a, the the stronger oppressing the weaker. So as as those who have been born and who have strength and we can speak and defend ourselves, um, abortion um, violates those who cannot speak for themselves and cannot defend themselves by taking their lives. And the same with the rape. A rape is where an oppressor who is stronger, um, bigger, um, perhaps, is able to overcome. A weaker, a weaker person, um, and and to violate them sexually. So it's uh, um, different ends in each situation, but it's still a, a method of oppression and and taking advantage of one who's weaker. So it's a consistent morality that he's exercising in his personal life, even with his professional life. Right. Um, hey, Leticia, Melissa. Yeah, go ahead, Let me jump in here for a minute. Sure. Okay. I remember seeing that video when he made all those racist comments. And I remember vaguely thinking to myself, interesting, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. He's going to reap what he sow. And folks, let me let me let me say something abundantly clear. Individuals like that Individuals like those who are corrupt and in our current administration, I'm going to tell you something, point blank. I don't care how powerful you think you are or folks you think they are, if they don't accept the free gift of salvation, I'm going to be real with you. Unfortunately for them, 
there is a place reserved for them that their money and their prestige and their power cannot keep them from. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about. When you have someone who loved you so much that he laid down his life so you wouldn't have to be an idiot, so that you wouldn't have to kill someone, and you do it anyway, people wake up. That's my little evangelism message for the day. I'm done. <laughs> oh, there's Letitia. Oh, is she there? Must have lost her. Oh, she was muted. Letitia, are you there? Well, yeah, um, Thomas, going along with with what you're saying, um, these people, they they tend to to self-destruct themselves. um, And one's character comes out in different ways. So this is just, uh, again, this is just one just one aspect of showing his his true character um, of what's in his heart. Um, It's evil. You know, it's a heart that can, with a good conscience, kill babies day in and day out. Um, That that is someone who is capable of hurting anyone um, because of the callousness of their heart, and that's something that God definitely has to soften and and that they have to repent of, um, which is his only hope at this point in all of our lives. Right. All right. Yeah, we're, we're going to go uh, to a break, and we'll be right back, and we'll have our guest for uh, the uh, bottom of the hour. All right. Hi, everybody. You're tuned to True Life Fridays with Letitia Wong and friends. Don't miss out. Today's great episode is brought to you in part by Lifeboat Coffee. 10% of your purchase at LifeboatCoffee.com will go directly to support True Life Fridays. Just remember to name True Life Fridays when you check out on the web. Hi, everybody. I'm John Lillis, founder and president of Lifeboat Coffee, America's pro-life coffee company. We support True Life Fridays, and we hope you will, too. True Life Fridays. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And I want to thank everybody for listening to True Life Fridays Radio. The number to call in is 760-542-3907. Wasn't that a great ad by uh, our good friends at Lifeboat Coffee? They made this ad for us, and uh, we are uh, fast friends. And uh, it's true. Anytime you uh, make a a purchase with the, what I say, the only true cruelty-free coffee, uh, out there on the internet so that you can be 100% safe. It's cruelty-free. Uh, 10% of your purchase can come back to help support True Life Fridays Radio right here. Yes, that's awesome. It was a really great commercial. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. I'm like, look at us. We're famous now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have and friends. So uh, I will, uh, in the future, maybe he'll make us an ad and he'll name you guys specifically. <laughs> oh, no, that's, no, that's Letitia. We're not tripping <laughs> off of that. <laughs> no way. Because we're, oh. we're, like, uh, we're all like Jesus in the body of Christ. We're, un- 
we're united as one. So where where you are mentioned, we're mentioned in spirit. So there you go. Right. Well, um, the last week I wanted to come back and talk about uh, uh, what happened that we found out last week of that happened with the uh, Ryan Bromberger and lawsuit with the NAACP. Now, if you guys don't remember what happened, uh, he had written a blog post or an article, I think, and it appeared um, through the Radiance Foundation. It got splashed all over a lot of LifeSite news uh, sites and LifeNews.com as well as a lot of the other websites out there, and he called out the NAACP. Um, this was m- months ago, months ago. He called out the NAACP <clears throat> for their support of Planned Parenthood, saying that, uh, and they mo- he kind of mockingly referred to them as the National Association uh, for Aborting Colored People. And apparently that was a little too much for them to take. You know, apparently you know, an organization that specializes, I guess, in civil rights issues didn't want to be called abortion supporters, even though a lot of their support actually goes to abortion. Uh, but so there was a legal case that ensued, and we have on the line today uh, Chuck Allen from Alliance Defending Freedom to tell us, exactly what happened with that case and the verdict because what tipped me off about this case was last week was when the verdict uh, in the lawsuit was handed down and that portion of this legal fight has been over. So um, Chuck, welcome to True Life Fridays Radio. Can you uh, bring us up to speed, please? Yes, uh, thank you for having me. And let me just tell you a little bit about the the, uh the case, this is, uh, as, as you mentioned, Ryan Bomberger had written uh, some articles, what I would characterize as news articles, uh, both posted at uh, the Radiance Foundation's website as, as well as a, 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 another website owned by the Radio Foundation called TooManyAborted.com and at LifeNews.com. And uh, there were about three articles that had used the expression National Association for the Abortion of Colored People to mockingly and satirically criticize the NAACP for its pro-abortion policies. Um, many of your listeners may know that African-American women um, uh, employ abortion at rates much higher than uh, Caucasians and others in the population. And so TooManyAborted.com is a, is a, uh, a uh, program that was initiated by Radiance to uh, to educate the public about that particular uh, dilemma and catastrophe. And, and uh, uh, Ryan had written several articles, as I say, that used that expression. And in January of 2013, Radiance got what, what we in the intellectual property world refer to as a cease and desist letter, which mm. essentially stopped using our trademarks because uh, you're infringing our trademark. Well, trademark law was never intended to be a shield for organizations to defend themselves against criticism, uh, but that's exactly what it appeared that the NAACP was trying to do in this case. Uh, ultimately, we went to trial in de- uh, December of last year um, before a, a judge in the Eastern District of Virginia, down in Norfolk, Virginia, and the judge held that there was trademark infringement. Actually, there were there were two different claims. There was an infringement claim a trademark infringement claim and what we call trademark dilution claim, a slightly different claim uh, that was made by the NAACP. 
and the judge found that there was both infringement and dilution of the NAACP's marks, and he found in favor of them. He didn't award any money damages, but he did uh, enter a preliminary or a permanent injunction, rather, which uh, prohibits the Radiance Foundation and Ryan Bomberger from doing certain things. And he uh, awarded the NAACP its costs, um, w which is typical in, in cases of this nature. So that's, that's, where the, that's where the case stands right now. There's been a verdict against them, and there is a permanent injunction that's now in force against the Radiance Foundation and Ryan. Yeah, specifically against doing what? Uh, using the NAACP's marks uh, in a way that would confuse the public is basically uh, what it what it says, and specifically uh, prohibits from using National Association for the Abortion of Colored People to criticize them. <laughs> now I okay, find let's, this let's a little okay. Hang in there. I find this oh, a little oh. hard to believe. Um, I'm not questioning the judge so much as the general believability of, of this infringement and delusion. Uh, the NAACP has, has been as an entity that has existed for what, almost 100 years now? Well, yeah, I think well over and, 100 years. Well over 100 years. And Certainly the, the nation's much, most, I, I would say the nation's uh, uh, most famous and longest active civil rights organization. Correct, right. Um, thank you. How much of a uh, – I'm just – help me with the believability portion of this. I don't even know what to ask. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, 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 uh, it's hard to, be, to believe that you would get a finding of this nature. I think the real, the real failure in, in the analysis, frankly, is that trademark law is used uh, – you know, you use trademarks to identify – the goods or services or the entity providing the goods and services uh, that are being provided. And in this particular instance, um, the NAACP's marks, both, both NAACP, which was used in many of the articles, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, which was used occasionally in some of the articles, and National Association for the Abortion of Colored People, which is a derivation, you know, a satirical uh, modification, if you will, of their mark. All of those things were never used by the Radiance Foundation or by Ryan uh, to identify any goods and services that they were providing or to be the, uh, you know, the, the identifier for the entity providing the services. In fact, if you read any of the articles, you know, no rational reader could come to the conclusion that the Radiance Foundation was trying to sort of you know, use those marks and trade on the NAACP's goodwill. There's, 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 it's clearly not that. I think, I think the analogy is if someone was reading the newspaper and there was an article in the newspaper about some specific entity, you know, uh, a grocery store or, you know, uh, Kroger's or Wegmans or, or any grocery store, and you, would, you wouldn't conclude from that article that the newspaper was using Kroger or Wegmans as their own mark. And the same thing is true on the Internet. There's, there, in this particular case, the blogs, you know, use as a, as a headline, NAACP, National Association for the Abortion of Colored People. But if you read the article, it's very apparent that Radiance Foundation, which, of course, is the, the entities whose logo appears at the top of the page, and also in the URL, the Uniform Resource Locator, for the website, it's very apparent that they're not, yeah, they're not borrowing that mark to 
purvey their goods or to trade on the NAACP's goodwill. It's it, quite the contrary. They're they're using the mark to identify the entity they want to criticize. So it truly is a bizarre result. Hmm. Well, yeah, let's get back to that. Thomas, you had a question? Yeah, I did. Uh, so what is Ryan's um, legal um, options? Can he appeal? Can he appeal this decision to a higher court or is this or the decision final? No, he can't appeal. We have 30 days after the decision is rendered. I, I think our deadline for appealing is May 24th. Uh, uh, it would be uh, incredibly surprising to me if we didn't appeal. I, I, I certainly think we are going to appeal the case. But that's the, where it stands right now is, of course, the, the trial court has entered its decision, and, and we can appeal to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a court here in Richmond, Virginia, that hears cases uh, throughout the, the, this particular region, South Carolina, Virginia, et cetera. Wow. So essentially, if I'm understanding this correctly, the NAACP feels like they're above reproach and above criticism. I'm just going to make a statement and um, just have you guys speak on it. Um, wasn't wasn't the NAACP also founded by an, an avowed Marxist, W.E.B. Du Bois? That in and of itself to me, and this is just my opinion, that ruins its credibility right there. But I digress. Just hearing you talk about this case, it 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 brings my blood to a boil because the the NAACP it's lost its goodwill. What they do now, they don't represent the interest of the people like me that in Letitia and Melissa, that they're supposed to be representing. They're out to cover their own tails, and that's what's so disgusting about this verdict. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, reasonable people uh, would, would, would disagree with the NAACP stated position, which is that they have no formal uh, or official position on abortion. I, you know, I... I I think reasonable people would say if you do the kinds of things that the organization does, including uh, its association with Planned Parenthood, including uh, supporting the Woman's March for Life in 2004, things like right. that, I think most reasonable people would say there is, there is reason to believe that they, they do have a position on abortion and it's, and it's pro-abortion. But even setting that aside, the real question isn't whether or not they are or aren't pro-abortion. The question is, you know, what... You know what are the reason, What are the limitations on a, on a person or an entity's ability under the First Amendment to you know uh, criticize or debate what their position is, and and that's where I think this case goes way astray. I mean mm -hmm. the NAACP. I know I know that you said uh, you know you felt that they were saying they were above criticism, but even one step back from that, what they're saying is we're not above criticism, but you only get to criticize us in a manner in which we find acceptable. Uh, you you can't use our uh, you can't mocking mock us using an, a, a, a variation of our trademark. Uh, I don't think that's what the First Amendment. Uh, I think the First Amendment requires much more liberty than that. Well, certainly, I'm, I, I'm 
I'm still a little bit um, floored by the absurdity of this entire situation. I mean, hasn't it been a, it's a regular form of, of literary discourse, if you will, that people play around with uh, the, the acronyms of, of what any organization stands for in an attempt to be satirical, be somewhat mockingly. It's, it's really uh, just a, it's a fair play in, in the public sphere. And right. for an entity to complain about something that they say they don't even support or have no position on is kind of telling, first of all, um, that they actually do have a lot invested <clears throat> excuse me, in trying to keep the word abortion out of their name or anyone associating the word abortion with their name. And secondly, that they would go to such great lengths to do something so... Uh, Absolutely trivial. Right. Well, I, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think they they uh, thought that the weight of their uh, size and uh, and name would um, cower Ryan and the Radiance Foundation into compliance. I think that's essentially what they thought. I don't. I think they were a little surprised that there was litigation, frankly. And now when I had spoken to you earlier, there was also litigation uh, that you initiated on behalf of Ryan and the Radiance Foundation. Right. In fact, this, this case arises out of that. We filed what was called a declaratory judgment action. And the reason why, why we did that is because, you know, an, or, an organization the size of the Radiance Foundation, it's relatively small, but has nationwide impact in terms of the activities that it's performing generally could be sued just about anywhere. And if someone threatens you with a trademark infringement, you have the right to bring an action to, to ask the court to say there isn't any infringement. And it's often in your interest to do that because otherwise, you know, the, the, the other party could sue you in a very inconvenient location. So had mm -hmm. Ryan simply received the letter and Radiance received the letter and done nothing, then the NAACP could have sued him in California, uh, you know, right. a place that would be very inconvenient for the Radiance Foundation, which is headquartered in uh, uh, Virginia, would be very inconvenient for him to defend there. So for that reason, we actually initiated the litigation, and I think they were somewhat surprised that we did that. But we didn't want to be uh, hauled into court in a very inconvenient form. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Where where does that lead? Where, what are the ramifications of this uh, this decision? I, I know that you're going to appeal. That it would be a very good idea to appeal. But in the meantime, uh, let's say this kind of is a standing rule. Well, how what does this mean for other pro-life organizations and or people or advocates as well as for Ryan? Well, I don't think it has any direct application. There, you know, this particular case, uh, you know, obviously it, it, it doesn't really uh, become precedential for, you know, as a, it, for establishing what the law is just yet. So, that, you know, that, would, that might or could occur, uh, you know, at the appellate court if the appeals court were to wrongly decide the case. But, but what I do think it does is I do think it, it certainly puts a chill on anyone who might be, uh, you know, thinking about exercising their First Amendment rights in a way that requires the use of the mark of another. I mean, if you, mm -hmm. if you 
if you take the, you know, the court's decision at face value, it essentially says, you know, if you're soliciting donations for your cause and you're using the mark of somebody else in order to criticize them, you are using their mark in commerce. That's, that is, that's not a, you know, that's not a, a, a proposition that anybody else would agree with, I think. It's, again, it's the analogy, the analogy is if you write an article in your newspaper about an entity and you're soliciting subscriptions for your paper, your use of their mark in that article is trademark use. That's, that's not the law. It's never been the law, and hopefully it won't be the law after this, right. you know, case is Right. But but for the moment, yeah. But for the moment, there is a chill on anybody who wants to exercise their First Amendment rights. I think. Well, right. um, hmm. for some of us, in listening to what you just explained to us, I'm sitting here and my blood is boiling. Because <laughs> first of all, you know, as a as a black man, that's an insult to me, and I'm sick and tired of an organization which had good intentions at one point in its history. And I'm going to make a blanket statement, and and I can back it up with some examples, one of which um, um, I know because it's from Melissa's general area, that um, the NAACP is now probably next to the Ku Klux Klan, the most racist organization in, in in this country. Case in point, the the um, North Carolina chapter, Charlotte, North Carolina president, uh, chapter president of the NAACP, I think his name is Reverend Barber somebody, came out and made highly inflammatory remarks towards Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina just because he's a black Republican, but yet everybody constantly um, sweeps that under the rug. Nobody went after them. They infringed on his, they defamed his character. So what if we turn the tables back on them and start suing them? What is the precedent for that? Well, I, yeah, I'm, if there is de- defamation, obviously he could bring an action. But that you know, usually defamation requires, you know, a statement of fact which is which is false uh, that's made by the that's made by the, a, a person against another. So, yeah, there, there's certainly pre- precedent for for defamation actions. But you know, I, I I think that the real issue is you know the size of the the size and the influence of the organization. It is obviously a very large organization, has a huge amount of influence, and uh, it becomes a substantial, um, you know, uh, a, a substantial elephant to take on. I, I think that's mm. that's that's the difficulty. Right. That, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know, if, if let us know because uh in at the end of the month um how the uh, this case is going to go forward the appeals and I would re- I'm really interested in seeing um how this judge and I'm curious I'm very curious how this judge came to his verdict because it seems like uh very obvious that there was no infringement or dilution going on um and so 
I'm really interested in finding it, how how it goes out from here. Um, please come back. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be happy more. to. Oh, wonderful. I'll be happy and, to. And uh, you tell Ryan that we'd like him to come on too. <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. I will encourage him to do that. Thank you. Thanks, well, I, I know thank our time you, is short, and I want to thank you so much, Chuck Allen from Alliance Defending Freedom, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I'm glad he said there's no long-term ramifications for this because we, I mean, people do this all the time. This is what Saturday Night Live is, is of that nature. Uh, built on, we're built on being satirical. We're built on that that type of show, and you know, we do this with other entities also. I'm almost afraid of saying things now because I'm like, oh my gosh. Now that you smile a lot against me for saying um, Planned Parenthood's name in an un, uh, unfriendly way, and which we do all the stinking time, and they deserve right. it. And it's not, it doesn't hurt anything. Leticia. <laughs> um, Leticia. Yeah, Thomas. I, I, wish, I wish Planned Parenthood would sue me for calling them racist. I'm like, okay, I'll show, and I'll show them all their racist history. Because, see, if, they, if you notice, Planned Parenthood has never filed a lawsuit against, like, the National Black Pro-Life Coalition and organizations like that, even though you know they were behind the scenes with the NAACP. You know, you know Planned Parenthood was doling out some money in that case, you know. And, yeah, I'm speculating. I don't have proof of that, but, you know, like what they do to us who truly support the lives of babies. I'm serious, Letitia. It's time that we need to figure out how to put this back on it. And, you know, it starts with the, uh, it start with, starts with the Gosnell move. But I'm going to tell you something. I think you have a good point there. You know, something that's going to have even more of an impact that's really going to scare the mess out of the abortion industry, and I'm looking forward to it. See, the one silent voice that's really been silent as a whole, we're used to seeing all the DVDs that, you know, that have post-abortive women, and, you know, and... And throughout those videos, you maybe have one or two black women who tell their abortion story. But here's the here's the problem with that. They represent tens and probably hundreds of thousands of black women who are suffering in silence because they feel so condemned for what they've done. And I'm going to tell you something. When the movie comes out, the gloves are coming off, folks. And we're going back to the roots. Because quite frankly, until we expose the roots, everybody will keep sweeping the surface of the problem. And until if we want to really rip the heart out of the abortion industry, we have to expose it for what it is. It's a racist institution geared to eliminate those individuals, not just minorities, but disabled, that they don't well, it, think it's worthy of society. 
Right. Well, abortion is a tool. It is a tool to to accomplish whatever ends that you want to accomplish. And if it's the abortion industry, you can you can go in there and they basically pass off any excuse possible because how can they turn down another abortion? It's how they make their money. If you want to have a sex selective abortion, they have come out specifically saying that they do not uh, do not prohibit sex selective abortion. Just don't tell them why you're doing it. Because um, then they don't have to answer for for saying that they would do it, um, and that's how they've pre- been proceeding from uh, from decades ago till now. Just don't tell them why you're having an abortion. And you know, when when you prey on vulnerable women who don't know up from down at the time they're walking into an abortion clinic and they they just want help, uh, they they don't want to be called out for it. They don't want to be say, hey, why don't we give people a break? Why don't we give women a 24-hour waiting period or a 36 uh, or a 70, even 72-hour waiting period to cool off, think about it, uh, gather their heads together. They want to rush women through just as fast as they can, make that decision, and then justify it because now they have their money. Now they have their money. And what do they care? Exactly. What do they care? Exactly. Um, so we're going to take another quick break. We will be right back with our guest, Lynn Mills, and she's going to give us a great update about what's happening um, with her pro-life work and advocacy. Uh, she's always been a great source of information and a great uh, pro-life friend. We will be right back. Open wide, put your hands up side by side. Age don't matter, like race don't matter, like place don't matter, like what's inside. Let the kick drum kick one time. Breathe out, let your mind unwind. Eyes on the ceiling, looking for the feeling. Wide open, let your own eyes shine. Yes, where the fight
Friday's radio. You are on the air with Letitia, Thomas, and Melissa as we uh, have an, another interview coming up uh, in just a moment. Our lines are open. If you'd like to give us a call, the number to call in is 760-542-3907. Uh, we're going to move on to our next guest who is on the line with us. Uh, we have a previous guest who has given us this monumental amount of information the last time she was on. I think I, uh, if I were taking notes, because I, I wasn't taking notes, but if I were taking notes, I would probably have a notebook filled with uh, the information that she has given us because she went into such great detail about uh, the abortion doc, the abortionist in the area of the, of the world where she lives, which is Detroit, in the Detroit area. And, I, I don't know. The amount of time, I, I, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. Lynn, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you for having I, me I don't know I'm how so you, honored. I have no idea how you do what you do, um, but you had, came in here with a, a truckload of information and just unloaded it onto True Life Fridays Radio, and I'm still like going, how do you know so much? This is awesome. And- <laughs> And I have more, but that's not what today's show is about. So. That's fine. But you are here to update us on, on what you are doing. And I, I'm, I'm eager and willing to hear uh, what you have for us. So fire away. Well, God help us when our Catholic institutions become part of the problem. And I'm a devout Catholic. I love my faith. I love the fact that when my ancestors came here from Europe, they brought their faith with us, them, and I'm mortified that when we go to the bishop, who is pro-life, I know he's pro-life, he doesn't act on it. That we, that I have been working for three years, and now I'm getting other people involved in this, that he just doesn't say, abortion bad, kick the bums out that we have to take to the streets, that we have to have a letter-writing campaign, that we have to point out to Gene Meyer, RN and CEO of the St. John Providence Healthcare System in the greater Detroit area, okay. that's who's in charge of our Catholic hospitals, that so not only do they have four to five abortionists with privileges, that they're doing human sterilizations there. Okay, okay. And so, a so friend of mine. Back us up to to the beginning of the issue of what um, Thomas had asked you to become on this program to talk about very specifically something that has been um, that you've discovered in the Catholic hospital system where you live, and it is tied to to the Catholic Church, and it's tied to your, uh, I guess, your, the bish- I'm not real familiar with the terminology, but the bishop in your area. So please tell us from the beginning, um, what is, what alerted to you to a potential abortion problem within the Catholic Church? Well, just that Here, I, you I do investigations. I investigate the right. abortionists, as you know from, and as I'm investigating them, four to five faces popped up, tied to their website. Abortion doctors on staff at St. John's and Providence Hospital in the greater Detroit area, 
and that hospital conglomerate is called St. John Providence Healthcare System. Okay. One of them is a Planned Parenthood abortionist out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, the Berkeley of the Midwest. And it's like just being an abortionist is bad enough. Then you throw a Planned Parenthood abortionist on top of it, and then he does sterilizations too. He does vasectomies. And when you call Providence Park because the Planned Parenthood abortionist who does them in Ann Arbor, when you call his office on the campus of the Catholic hospital called Providence Park and you say, hello, I'd like my Glenn Taylor abortion, they say, oh, you want his his Planned Parenthood office, and they rattle that number off because they have it memorized. How many people are calling that hospital, that campus, on that campus, asking for abortions, and they have it memorized? And then the church comes back, and they say, well, we can't fire anybody because they do abortions elsewhere, but at the same time, there is this thing called the ethical and religious directives. You cannot, under these ethical and religious directives, give out the phone numbers, do sterilizations, and I want to take it one step further, and we're calling on the bishop to do the right thing. Get sued if you have to. Be bold and brave. Step it up because we know the church gets sued for doing a lot of wrong things. Get sued for doing the right thing and throwing them out. As long as they're connected with abortion, they should not be connected with the Catholic hospital in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so you have tried to contact uh, the local bishop, and what does he say? He keeps passing it off to Andrew Santos III, who keeps citing what I just said, the ethical and religious directive, saying we can't do anything because of Michigan law. And quite frankly, I'm not going to sit around and try to change Michigan law. That's not my job. I don't care about Michigan law. I care about babies being killed. I care about the name Catholic being associated with abortions. I Mm. care about taking the bold step and doing something right. I'm defending my faith. Bishop, defend my faith with me. That's what I care about. Wow. So, so... So tell us more. Just tell us more about okay. uh, the and here's the other and the, and the sterilization issue as well. Well, and here's the other thing. Maybe the Catholic Church does not own these hospitals, but this is what the Catholic Church owns. It owns the name Catholic. It can tell Providence and St. John's to take the name Catholic. It can take the name Catholic away from them. Because the spokespeople have said, 
we hold our Catholic identity dear. Okay, if you hold it so dear, why is there no checks and balances within this hospital system to know that this Planned Parenthood abortionist is not, according to the state of Michigan, properly licensed? He's not licensed to be doing anything medical in the city of Novi where this hospital is. We've written the complaint to the state of Michigan. They've done nothing, but that's nothing new to any pro-life activist who's listening to this across the 50 states of Michigan. Our complaints often fall on deaf ears. It's nothing new to, to the three of you, and you've heard over and over again that these abortionists operate without any accountability all the time. And so here's another one who's operating without any checks and balances. Here he goes again. He's at a Catholic hospital. I've asked the Catholic hospital, why are you letting him operate here? Even though I don't believe he's doing abortions there, he's doing vasectomies there, he's doing other things there, and he's not properly licensed. Why is this Catholic hospital that's supposed to be above all the other hospitals not having any checks and balances just on the fact that he's not licensed properly. How many other doctors there aren't licensed properly? How come this is falling through the cracks at a supposedly spectacular Catholic hospital? There's a problem here, Bishop. I think there's a problem here on many levels. You know, I'm, I'm speechless on so many levels as to why... Nobody, there's no oversight here. Mm-hmm. And if Jean Meyer is getting in trouble, I'm sorry. She should be doing more than putting her pretty little face on her YouTube videos and taking still shots and running around saying, aren't we great? She should be coming great. Mm-hmm. Um, so none of this is happening in the hospital. I mean, with regard to... Um, the sterilizations. It's happening on their campus. Oh, it's, uh, sterilization it is doesn't. Yes, yes. Wow. And so it doesn't seem that they're oversighting their own doctors. But when we call up and say, "Oh, look, we found another urologist, David Barton. Oh, we found another urologist, so and so O'Connor." It seems that if we police them and point it out, that they start to do something about it. How come I have to spend my time tracking down their urologist? Glenn Taylor is a family practice abortionist, Planned Parenthood abortionist. How many other physicians at Providence Park are not urologists? I mean, how many of them do I have to go through to find everyone who does sterilizations? I have other things to do. I have baby killers to stop. Mm. They need to police themselves. I want the bishop to get on top of the CEO and um, Santos, who who appears to be the go-between between the bishop and the CEO, and I want them to get their act together. I don't want this non-paid volunteer who's just simply a Catholic wife, mother, 
activist investigator to be the one doing it. That's not my job. It's their job, but guess who's doing it? Right. Uh, well, I, I think it happens with a lot of uh, these associations. I mean, a lot of, of abortionists have been able to skate by under the radar because nobody's noticing their close association with the ways that um, that get them uh, farther along. I think here in St. Louis, the Planned Parenthood facility here uh, has has had complicity from the city of St. Louis not to release uh, 911 um, record records under the Freedom of Information Act. They have they They're have getting away they with that? Yes, well they are right now. <laughs> They're getting away <laughs> with it right now. Um so that, you know, whenever the frequent times that 911 has been called or an ambulance has been called and pulls up to the abortion clinic, um you know, our 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 friends outside are taking pictures and then they go and they try to pull the 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 uh the phone call. Well, the city of St. Louis mm-hmm. kind of barred them from doing so and uh, sealed up any kind of communication. They have some excuse about uh, invasion of privacy. Of course, none of that information is actually available. But it's all a big, um, it's, it's all a big collusion at this point uh, to try to limit the amount of information that people have access to and, to keep, and it's a complicity to help keep uh, the abortionist in business. Uh, so I am not surprised at all that this is happening. And but what is so kind of surprising is the level of of apathy, I guess, from the clergy of this happening right there in in in, the, in a hospital that claims to be Catholic. And it, it just, I and I'm speechless because I've sent them, you know, and we know all abortionists are bad. And if you want to say there are different levels of bad, one of these guys has a record, you know, longer than long. He's, I don't want to say Gosnell-like, because we all have our own Gosnells, but this guy has been, he does diets, and he does skin treatments, and he does abortions in women's homes, and he botches them and he doesn't label his diet drugs and when you go to him for diets you gain weight and you know and he's allowed privileges and why would the archdiocese want Mm. a hospital with the name catholic associated with him i don't understand why that's an excellent question you know your name archdiocese is being sullied i don't know what more i have to do how i have to say it and we had a picket a week ago today it was beautiful my friend david tyson and judy perrin arranged to have an airplane flying overhead saying for an hour the full hour we were out there asking the question how pro-life is providence hospital it was wonderful we had 80 to 90 people out there We had a lot of media. We didn't have your typical media, but we had enough media out there, and they were upset. A friend of mine, her sister was working inside. She didn't know. We didn't tell her what was going on, but she said word was spreading through the hospital. They knew what was going on. The security guards were watching us. They were watching the airplane. Mm -hmm. People know, you know, we're not trying to embarrass the hospital. We're trying to educate the public. You know, 
you know, do do you have is your Providence doctor an abortionist? How many right. more are practicing abortion? T- to me, and maybe to other people who aren't Catholic, when you go to a Catholic hospital, wouldn't you take comfort in thinking, well, I can go here and not worry that one of my doctors is an abortionist. Mm-hmm. And now that's not true. Mm-hmm. And, well, I'm not and, just, I, don't, I'm, I want to encourage you in this and that a lot of times – uh, a very public campaign, and maybe that's what's needed here, is is need, it's needed to expose the 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 kind of doctors that are working uh, or have privileges at this hospital. Because I've seen certainly in Chicago, this has been a strategy that has worked. Um, almost in parallel, we had the case of um, Cheryl Chastain, who was a—I guess she's a potential. She she considered she labeled herself as an abortionist, um, but she was a private practice doctor. And when um, Eric Scheidler and and his and the name escapes me—they're going to kill me because their name escapes me right now—decided yeah. to go on a campaign and publicize the fact that this doctor Cheryl Chastain professes to be an abortionist and was trying to make efforts to become uh, George Tiller's replacement in Kansas. I, her, her level of popularity, let's just say, and, and level of respect in, in her private practice kind of took a nosedive, a serious nosedive. And I think people do respond. I think a public expose, uh, exposition of, of the fact that these doctors are working as abortionists. They're working as um, to do sterilizations, and this is all contrary to uh, the Catholic belief and ethics system. I think people do need to know, and I'm sorry that the burden of, of carrying that message forward often falls to pro-life advocates. Uh, if nobody else does that, but I do want to encourage you that this, this sometimes this is a very fruitful work in and of itself. I know it's not your job. It really, you're not a design of our job. It's not job. Well, I, I, don't well, mean I don't mean to sound like a whiny baby. I'd rather be out there getting the hardcore baby killers instead of confronting right. my church that I love so much. It, it, do you, but do you understand what I say? I shouldn't be battling my own church. I certainly get I that. I should and be. You know, right. but we're going back this Tuesday from 4:30 to 6:30. I thought I'd get that in. We're standing at the sure. corner of Beck Roads and Grand River for the local people who might be listening, and we're just we're we're keeping the pressure up, and you know, and we're going to keep the pressure up until the Archbishop says, "Take down those crosses, give me back my Catholic name. You don't deserve the Catholic identity." You know, that's what the bishop has the power to do, take away the Catholic identity. Mm. I went in there two days ago. I walked through Providence, and it would be nothing for them to take away the Catholic identity. I didn't see anything Catholic in there. We have a a hospital here in Livonia, Michigan. I see crucifixes and statues and icons all over the place. The Felician nuns would be heartbroken if you took away their Catholic identity. I saw nuns in habits all over the place. Providence Park, not so much. So what's the big deal then? Take it away. Bishop, 
do the right thing. There's abortionists on staff take away their Catholic identity because they really hey, don't have it. Hey, Lynn, speaking of yeah, Hi, Dwayne. How are you? Um, I'm fine. How are you? I am good. Um, I have a quick question because I am curious as to um, if you could share just a little bit of uh, an update on that black abortion doctor who injured the lady in the, there in Detroit and if anything was ever done about that. And if not, do you have any anything else that you're doing in well, going after I him? Do- I do have an update on him. On February 28th, there was a 911 call in Lathrop Village, also known as Southfield, Michigan. We have him on tape. We here do get some of the 911 calls, and he identifies himself as, this is Dr. Sharp. I have a woman here with a hole, and she's bleeding. She's bleeding a lot. I Mm. need an emergency vehicle right now and when we got that tape i wrote immediately to the state of michigan for another complaint allegation grievance against him do you know what the state of michigan told me that unless i had the name of the 29 year old white woman because that's all we had everything else was redacted or her date of birth the state of michigan could do nothing even though we had his voice and him identifying himself as Dr. Sharp saying he had a woman with a hole and she was bleeding. They said, too bad, so sad, Mrs. Mills. Can't do anything. Is that incredible? So my partner just rewrote my complaint differently from a different angle and she resent it within the last three days because, of course, we weren't real happy with that outcome. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? His own wow. voice, his own words, admitting there was a hole in a woman who just had a termination, and they said there was nothing. There. I said, you're the investigators. Investigate. And right. also they, they have talked prosecutorial um, powers, therefore they can subpoena the record. The only way it would have to be redacted is if they were going to send that information to somewhere else. Right. They Well, this is what they told me when I suggested that. They said they would be violating HIPAA if they did that. So do I have to then go to the Attorney General, and then yeah. he has the powers to subpoena? Yes. HIPAA yes. has been because. thrown up so many times, as a, and it's, it's, a, it's now a, a wow. false shield. <laughs> yep. Isn't it? hide all kinds of things. You know, wow. and then when, when I go to the doctor and they say, here, sign this HIPAA form, I say, why bother? Really? You want me to sign HIPAA? It doesn't protect anything, and I should start pulling out stacks of paper and throwing it at them. <laughs> You're talking to me about HIPAA? Really? I would like to, I, I would like to see that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> come, to me, come with me to my next doctor appointment. <laughs> I 
give them a run for their money. And then they want my social security number, and I look at them, and it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen either. Right. So I so, want to. So I hope that we were able to encourage you in this. And I, I know it's it's a struggle from all angles because I, these abortion abortionists have found a way to to uh, skirt the law so many ways. Uh, yeah. It doesn't surprise me, but it does. I, I do feel so sorrowful every time I hear it because uh, you know these are these are holes that they create, and we're not able to plug them fast enough. And uh, it may take. A person coming on the radio and airing this this problem uh, in public to get some movement going. I really hope that uh, your local bishop will take up this cause and say, "Hey, we cannot continue to endorse this hospital if it can, if it keeps employing and admitting, giving these privileges to uh, known abortionists." Mm-hmm. But can I talk to Dwayne real? Dwayne, his big. Uh-huh. Massive complaint is still going on. He still has uh, like nine. He's applied for nine other licenses, and they're still pending. And we just found out recently that he answered something. Uh, he probably admitted that he had some uh, legal issues going on, and that's why they're not letting his nine pending licenses through. Oh. So he's, he's still in a whole lot of dog doo-doo to be polite so his complaint allegation it's he doesn't have open formal complaints yet but it's still an ongoing investigation and every time he sneezes wrong we're amending the complaints and it's going up to Lansing so he you know we're still hopeful that um, it's not going to get closed down, and something's going to happen. He just can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's right. So um, keep us keep us informed of how this um, is this goes forward. Again, if people that live in your area want to join you um, this Sunday, no oh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. I'm sorry, Tuesday. Um, please give us your your location and your time again. It is from 4.30 to 6 o'clock during high traffic hours. There's a lot of traffic in front of this at Beck Roads and Grand River in front of Providence Park in Novi. And, uh, you know, we just we want to be there exposing Providence for having four to five, give or take the day of the week, uh, abortionist, and just to, to lovingly ask the bishop to do the right thing. We know he's pro-life, just you know, take away their Catholic identity. Very nice. So um, send us pictures. Take pictures. We'll put them up on the True Life Fridays radio page. Oh. Um, Love to. Okay, I'll do that. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much. Thank Thank you, Lynn, for coming on and telling us about that. I think I think you're not alone. I think um, other other hospitals may have this problem, too, and it's just going under the radar. So. And I uh, think so, you may, too. You may be the first to go tip those dominoes down. Uh, over that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right, my idea fun. of fun. Okay. <laughs> and um, we're going to take a very, very short break and then come right back. We have a very special segment that we're going to carve out for True Life Fridays Radio. We'll be right back to talk about that. 
And wasn't that a quick break? Yes. And thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, (laughs) now's the time to call at 760-542-3907 to talk to our host. Or our upcoming guest. Now, I have a very, very special guest. He was on with us uh, last week, but I'm going to ask him to come on regularly for True Life Fridays Radio. Um, He's become a true, true, true Life Fridays um, ally in the pro-life movement. Um, Welcome back to the program, Carrie Bogue. Where are you? I'm right here with you. All right. Great. Thank you for joining us again. Um, what prompted me to ask you back today was uh, some personal news of yours. And the reason why I want you back and giving you a, a spot on True Life Fridays uh, every week is that I think you have a lot of work to do. I do. Because I don't want to do your work for you. I want you to do your work. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just, I feel the same way. <laughs> Because um, there's a lot to do, and I wanted you to give us a chance to um, sh- uh, sh- uh, you to sh- share with us. I'm sorry, share share with us uh, what's going on in your life, and what what you want to see um, in the next however long God gives you on this earth to accomplish that. Sure. Well, on, on a personal level, I just recently. I uh, got some some news, medical news. I had um, I have um, due to my past lifestyle, it wasn't alcohol, but it doesn't really matter what it was. But I developed cirrhosis uh, of the liver, mm-hmm. and uh, recently went back to the doctor for a checkup. And about a year ago, apparently, I had reached the level of full cirrhosis, and I. Taken, uh, was on interferon and got rid of any uh, cancerous cells and everything was settled. Um, but with with my liver the way it is, and I guess the dictionary definition of cirrhosis is scarring. I've got a fully scarred liver, which I was given a diagnosis of uh, from that day one year ago, uh, a five-year life expectancy without a liver transplant. So it, uh, you know, it's obviously disturbed. Uh, me some, and, and more importantly, my wife and my kids, and uh, so it's kind of been a tough situation um, because of the because of the liver issue. One of the major symptoms is um, just, just exhausted all the time. So I have mm-hmm. having a tough time you know, working full time, and um, so I've actually put out a little. Um, I don't remember what the name of it is. I should know. <laughs> it's my own. Uh, blog, but it's uh, fundme.com, I think it is, and I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I, I can send you the link uh, for to put up on your website, so, but, but it's basically asking people to chip in and help me out uh, so I can see my kids. I haven't seen them since my wedding, which was two years ago, and I'm living in Wisconsin, and my kids live in Florida, where I was born and raised, and so, um, yeah, just some help with that, any little bit helps, and that's, it's, yeah, it's called gofundme.com, there and, um, and and the title of it is Help Me See My Kids Before It's Too Late. And I would like to see my, my daughter and my granddaughter um, for sure uh, before anything actually happens. Uh, one, of the, one of the issues for liver transplants is they wait till you're basically yellow and really sick before they even put you on the list. And just spoke with someone recently who waited four years. So it's 
always a very tight situation when you're getting a liver transplant. Um, so that's my personal thing. Um, well, thank you for sharing. The pro-life yeah. Arena, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you talk. Well, I just wanted to thank you for sharing that and feeling um, feeling courageous enough to share that with us. Um, and so we will be praying for you. Uh, we are a praying pro-life community here at True Life Fridays Radio, and we definitely will be praying for um, whatever God provides for you. It could be very good. It's going to be good, whatever it is, uh, and uh, that that we keep continue to pray for um, your heal, health and healing. So, and that's all you I know, wanted in, in a to sense, interject and say about that. Yeah, thanks. And in, in a sense, um, you know, it's kind of good to have an expiration date and to know what time you have left to serve the Lord. And this is a chance to really rededicate myself to the pro-life movement. I'm uh, as positive as I can possibly be that this is where the Lord wants me. Um, one quick thing I'd like to talk to you about, the, an event that we just uh, put up uh, at Project Wildfire Exposing Planned Parenthood, which is my uh, pro-life mission, and that is uh, we're doing an event called One Tweet for the Unborn, and the hashtag for that is Stop Aborting and then Our Children. But it's not all one word. Just Stop Aborting and then, in other words, Our Children. And you probably know that uh, the pro-choice crowding including the president's wife, now has is using uh, finally responding to the 300 schoolgirls kidnapped in Nigeria, and she's holding up the sign everywhere, and it's all over social media, that to bring back our girls. And mm-hmm. I find it very ironic and, and full of hypocrisy that they're concerned about these 300 girls, and believe me, I am, but I support that 100%. But what I think should be focused on Equally, if not more, is the 125,000 girls and boys that are aborted every day. So I can, I'd ask you to put up the uh, the event site on your page uh, there. But it's just really simple. If anybody out there listening tweets, all we're asking you to do is get a sign and write on there in your handwriting, "Stop aborting" with a hashtag in front of it. You know how to tweet, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you're not going to probably do it. And then underneath it, write the words, our children. And that's comparable to what uh, Michelle Obama is, is, which says, bring back. And that's under the hashtag underneath it says, our girls. And uh, that's taken taken uh, Twitter by storm. And we feel like this is the time that, you know, there's a lot more children out there that are being ignored and don't want right. the unborn right. to be ignored along with just focusing on this because it's an easy thing for the for the pro-choice crowd to focus on this Absolutely. and ignore the fact that they kill 125,000 babies worldwide a day. Hey, Carrie. That's right. Have, Carrie, this is Thomas. I have a response to that when you guys get to tweeting different stuff because I saw your picture. When, okay. when, um, when she tweeted that picture, um, bring back our girls looking the way she did, Someone needs right. to write. Someone needs to tweet. We can't. They've all. They're all getting aborted. Yeah, that's true. They are all getting <laughs> aborted, and, uh, and, you and, and realistically, talk. Thomas, realistically, yep. um, these these girls have already been most of them sold already, and they're right. it's been distributed. Unfortunately, uh, they've been forced to revoke their or rescind their Christianity and convert to Muslim. 
mm-hmm. which is the most violent religion ever to exist. And yep. despite the despite the left wings, um, Obama uh, in um, instigated belief that it's a peaceful religion. It's about as peaceful as uh, a sword fight, and it's not. And um, yeah. at any rate, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to help those kids, and, and we should do whatever we can, I'm 100% behind that. Um, first of all, they're not our girls. They live in Nigeria, and um, the chances of bringing any back, unfortunately, are slim. But do I think we should go after them? Do I think we should identify the targets? Do I personally think we should... Eliminate the targets. I absolutely do. Talk about that and ignore ignore the unborn is is pure hypocrisy. Right. Right. Because we we want as as pro life individuals we want to have that fully or holistic understanding of what it means to be pro life. We're not selective about that. Um, I, and it's very sad that the left seems to be very good. At capitalizing, they like don't like capitalism either, but they exercise it all the time <laughs> uh, on on certain trends. And it looks good for them to say bring back our girls. It looks good for them to to want to say uh, let's be against human trafficking. But you know, abortion is also a form of human trafficking. Abortion is a form of slavery. So is human trafficking. And yet, one is considered a human right. And the other one is, oh, my gosh, yeah, we've got to stop this. Well, and that's a very simplistic, easy thing for them to do. I mean, how literally, how can you ignore this? I mean, how can anyone with any conscience, and I'm not talking about Christians, just with a conscience and, and a sense of uh, at least what other people think is right or wrong, accept the fact that these girls merely were going to school, were kidnapped, and have been taken out of, the, out of their country, and are being raped and sold and forced to convert to another religion. I mean, that's an easy thing for them to jump on. The problem is that um, they this has been going on for a long time, and this anti-Christian sentiment, which they hate to discuss, they don't like to use the word Christian or God, but this is anti-Christian. That's what it is, and that's what the Muslims are. And mm-hmm. although we, as Christians, do not um, advocate violence against them, very clearly the Koran advocates violence against anyone that isn't a follower of Allah. So at any rate, back to the, our, our focus is we're actually holding the event on Tuesday, May 13th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., uh, whatever time you're in, it doesn't matter. And really, it's not a, not a lot to ask, but, but it could really take the Internet, or I should say Twitter by storm as well, because if every pro-life person just tweets out one picture, uh, of them holding up that sign saying "Stop aborting our children," that's going to become that's going to get noticed, and that's all we're asking. We want to be noticed. We want to remind people that 125,000 children a day are being aborted, and so um, I'm just hopeful people will do it. It's simple. If you go on to, on that site, which I'll give you the link to, uh, I have a page called uh, Twitter Made Easy for Pro-Life Christians, and we explain exactly how to for those who don't know how attach a photograph to your um, tweet. It's very simple. It's easily explained, and, and you can go to that page and just look at how to open your Twitter account if you don't have one, how to tweet pictures, and just a lot of tips about tweeting for Christians that are pro-life. And so um, we hope that, that you guys, and uh, know that you'll be, you'll be part of it, Leticia and Thomas, but Absolutely. I just hope that everyone, um, everyone well, out there the as well first... listening takes the time. 
this isn't the first um, tweet fest that you have successfully uh, launched and sustained. I think it's become a thing, and I think it's a really, this is why I say this is a work you need to continue to do. Um, we had previous successes with, um, help me out here because I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> um, the one with the, uh, the Valentine's Day. Right. And we did it. We did expose PP. We've done um, opt out of Obamacare and a lot of a lot of different tweet fests. Unfortunately, what's become and happening to tweet fest is once people get the idea, everybody wants to have one, and then it becomes old hat. And and so what you don't want to do is um, have a tweet fest and you know 700 people join and 300 people tweet, and it doesn't trend. So one of the reasons that I felt like this was um, important and will work is because it does, you don't have to tweet 700 times and just sit at your computer for two hours and, and tweet the hashtag over and over again to get it to trend. I'm not really worried about that. I think we're, our success will lie, if, if everybody does that on that day, as people see that happening, they will begin to do it themselves, and uh, this should catch fire just by itself. And, and literally, it's one tweet. So if, if all we're asking people to do is just one tweet of a picture of you holding up that sign that says, stop aborting our children. And, and uh, it doesn't have to trend. I think just the pictures will make it trend, which means that you're, the work that usually you have to put into a tweet fest of tweeting over and over and over, and you have to have 15 suggestions for everybody to cut and paste and tweet, <laughs> which is kind of what a tweet fest is. I mean, uh, the most successful tweet fest in history, which is really – what changed me from a very involved pro-life person to becoming completely obsessed was the Gosnell Tweet Fest. That, that changed right. the pro-life movement. Right, right. We, we I think it changed a lot of people. Yeah, it changed me, and, 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 it, and it really increased my walk with Christ and gave me a, 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 an avenue to really do something not just locally but also globally. And uh, we can do so much on social media and... Um, and Twitter is where it's at as far as, you know, a topic. And a hashtag is just simply a topic. It's the number sign in front of your topic, whether it's the NFL draft or stop aborting. All right. So that's wonderful. So 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, Tuesday. And the hashtag to... that you're wanting to tweet out is? Stop aborting. And then underneath that or next to that, just just write out our children. So in a hashtag, you put the two words together. So the two words would be stop aborting. I think short hashtags work better. And then just underneath that or next to that, just then write the words our children and then tweet along with that a picture of you holding up that same sign. Awesome. um, Any other message you want to add to it? Awesome. Very good. I I hope that uh, Tuesday it's going to be a success and it sends the bright message uh, for for being all-inclusive, if we're going to be consistent about wanting to save kidnapped girls in Nigeria, and we do, we need to also be consistent yes, about what's happening with abortion. Awesome. Right. Well, we'll let me just emphasize, and, that's, and let me just quickly, if I could, real quick, just sure. emphasize that this is not a slap at the efforts that are being made, even though they're minimal and questionable motivation, because we do, and I think you agree and everyone does, that we should be doing something about those poor girls and doing whatever we possibly can. But this is an opportunity for us to take advantage of what's become popular on Twitter, and that's what you just have to do. 
Oh, absolutely. And and the pro-life community is not slow at this. Uh, we, in, in fact, I mean, I know for a fact that True Life Fridays Radio, we were talking about this two to three weeks ago um, before uh, President the, uh, Michelle Obama ever held up a sign. Uh, we were talking about what's happening and how uh, this is not getting the kind of attention that it needs, um, but we're, we were bringing attention to it because of our pro-life stance. Amen. That's right. Amen. I appreciate you get so, it, Letitia. And good all right. Oh, well, Thomas. thank you. <laughs> you too. And we'll mm-hmm. see you next week. All right, guys. Week. Take care, and I'll talk to you next Friday. All right. All right. Thank Have you a blessed one, Carrie. God bless you guys. God bless you, too. And right. it is time. It is time for that uh, period of the show where we get Uh-oh. to talk about. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, we took Where's the music? time. Where's we're going to get, get to, um, we may actually have to, to rush this. But really quick, uh, the, other, the third headliner story that we wanted to talk about before the show is up today is uh, something Melissa has been following very, very ardently the last couple of days and so melissa please tell us about what's been happening on your in your neck of the woods as far as social media is concerned and how you're following the story about the benham brothers right um yeah until uh a few days ago wednesday no one probably a lot of people didn't know who the benhams were but um i've actually been blessed to to know them and to work alongside them in pro-life ministry here in the charlotte area um Basically, the Benhams um, are leaders of the Cities for Life for Life ministry, which is um, working uh, at being uh, basically sidewalk counselors. They're training and putting it at abortion clinics around our city, and just phenomenal things have happened. God has uh, saved so many babies and are training and raising so many sidewalk counselors. Um, They um, have been very instrumental in um, just getting the city uh, together with the Charlotte 714 conference um, in 2012, getting the city together, um, the Christians together for a time of corporate prayer and repentance before God and um, just seeking the Lord and, and asking God to forgive our land and to forgive uh, to forgive us for our apathy um, in this. But they, they are they are true, truly sold out to Christ and uncompromisingly so. God has blessed them and they have become uh, leaders in the real estate um, uh, business. Um, they actually have about 30 companies or so worldwide. Um, so they have really um, increased in wealth and in in their um, abilities, and they have helped a lot of people in the process. Um, so they were um, they they were pitched a show um, called Flip It Forward that was picked up by HTV. And HTV, um, you know, thought it was a great idea. You know, two twin brothers, very successful, um, know a lot about real estate, can help couples to flip houses. So that's what the show, the premise of the show was was to, to provide. Um, and uh, what happened was um, uh, into the recording about six families uh, here in Charlotte were in the process of flipping their homes, and they were filming, and um, my boss actually was one of those families um, who was involved, and um, so they spent all this time filming, and um, there was a, a um, an article released um, by Right Wing Watch, which basically labeled the Benham brothers as anti-gay extremists and anti-woman extremists, um, and there was a lot of Basically, a lot of misinformation, a lot of things taken out of context, 
Um, but basically the Benhams worked to, uh, in, in North Carolina, the Marriage Amendment, um, the Marriage Amendment 1 Act, which was passed uh, in 2012, um, which uh, defined marriages between a man and a woman. The Benhams were very instrumental in um, uh, being vocal about that and getting the word out about that, and they were very instrumental in getting that passed. So um, obviously there was a lot of discord for them in, in the leftist community. So here they are with this TV show, and so it was just a perfect time to, to attack them and attack their character. So a lot of mistruths about who they are, um, that they hate gays, that they hate Muslims, these sort of uh, typical um you know caricatures that are portrayed by by many of us, um, mm-hmm. but um, HGTV, um, their viewers got a wind of this article by Right Wing Watch, and it circulated um, widely, and there was a lot of uproar and HGTV list, um, viewers stating that they would not um, support the program anymore or not watch the network if these bigots were allowed to continue their real estate show that had, again, nothing to do with their um, personal beliefs, but they were teaching real estate and how to flip homes. So um, HGTV, under pressure, decided to cancel the show um, while they were in the middle of filming. So that that has been the case, Um, and um, this has caused a lot of uproar and um, confusion, and um, so that that's kind of where where everything is right now. But the Benhams have been given right. a spotlight. They have uh, been on CNN. Um, they were uh, scheduled to be on Hannity tonight to talk about this, um, because this is nothing but a, a case of um, leftist uh, liberal agenda uh, trying to silence any any Christian voice, and they are unapologetically right. Christian. Um, right. So um, yeah, so that, that's basically where everything is right now, and um, I know that you had some commentary on that, Letitia. Um, not so much. I would like to save that for when you actually bring them on the show yes. for us. Yes. Okay, <laughs> and that would be fabulous. Uh, other yes. than that, yeah, you're right. This is another example of of the intolerance of the left. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can espouse any point of view, and that's okay, except if you're a Christian with values, with Christian values, and suddenly, uh, no, we can't we can't hear from you at all because of right. the, of your belief. Yeah, it's just another example. I, we yeah. we had that happening with the A and E network with the mm-hmm. with the Duck Dynasty show, and uh, you know I don't I wouldn't be surprised. This is not the first. This is not the last. Uh, we're probably going to see this again. Right, it's, it's bullying is what it is, and you know it's funny. I, I read a comment. Someone said, you know, so what are we we Christians supposed to do in in the professional world? Are we supposed to, um, you know, wear yellow ribbons that say Christian so that we can be easily identified, so that we can be easily targeted? Uh-huh. You know, um, I mean, because think about it. You're just they. The show had nothing to do with religion or marriage or any of these things. But again, these were young men who—they're young men who are successful, who are who are dedicated to their families. They have large families. They're they're dedicated to you know the homeschooling um, community and these sort of things. So their well, their whole to, yeah. Go ahead. They, they were they were trying to uh, tie uh, supposedly their dad's activities. Uh, to themselves because their father is strongly anti-abortion and I will probably say anti-abortion in fact wasn't he the one in the clip that we played earlier talking to uh, Ron Verbani and he was the one asking about uh, you know Mm -hmm. that's the clip where he said ugly black babies yes he sure was yes but you know and and he 
Yeah, and but the whole, you know, Jesus hates Muslims and those kind of those are just absolute um just over exaggerations and 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 lies. Um but yes, definitely they are they're trying to to make their their dad a, a part of this extremist movement and tying them into it as well. So it's very interesting. And sad. Right. So Thomas, you had something to say? Oh yeah. Um, here's the, here's the issue. Here's the issue, Letitia and Melissa. Part of the problem is, is that when believers read that scripture in the Bible, turn the other cheek, they didn't break it down to into a deep, in-depth context of what that really meant. Nowhere in the Word of God. Did it ever give any indication where Jesus said that we're to let people um, walk all over us? But the problem is, is that um, for some reason, we seem to talk a good game when it comes to the fact that evil cannot triumph over the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, yet we still... It does every day because those of us who are in a position to do something, we're allowing. And I'm talking what I'm talking about, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in a tongue. Proverbs eighteen twenty one or twenty two, it's one of those two, I don't know specifically. But every single day they speak death over us. And we don't counteract that. In fact, they beat us down so much to the point that <laughs> churches aren't even willing to address evil at all. So here's what here's what we got to do. We got to start breaking down in the way that Christians, you, you two are apologists, the way that you break down scripture, we got to start taking what liberals say, breaking down what they say and and using it right back against them, incorporating the truth. That is the greatest ability that Christian apologists have to do. But see, here's the thing. If we're if we just focus on defending our faith, just like there's different aspects of ministry, there's many well, aspects to Defend our faith, right? Sure. Um, there's there's sure. a lot of things that we can do, a lot of applications to that. And certainly I would That's encourage everybody to have a better grasp of why we believe what we believe and be able to show it to others. Why? Why? We, why? <laughs> right. And Absolutely. Even, and even, and this is what I'm saying, even, because Leticia, I don't know if you realize how good you are at this, but you can take, you could take something that a liberal say, and if you really wanted to, you could, you could break down their words and point it right back in their face. That's what Jesus used to do. But Jesus well, did stuff like writing, writing in the sand with his fingers and stuff like that. Right. That's what I'm talking well, about, and we need to do it. So. We we can only do what's been handed to us, and the only reason why we can do that is because uh, because they leave it wide open for that. Exactly. <laughs> so, but 
but thank you for that that load of encouragement, Thomas. I'm we're gonna see we'll be back next week with more True Life Fridays Radio. Thanks for joining us. We gotta go, folks. Good night. Mm-hmm. God bless everyone. God bless you too, Melissa. God bless. Kiss the baby for me. Now that I'm changing, you never know how far this could go. I knew.